You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the Prop G Markets podcast. For nearly two years, Prop G Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, Prop G Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer? It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday, June 24th, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of this program. Thank you so much for joining me. A very special edition today uh, for two reasons. One, it's the one-year anniversary of me beginning to host it. And number two, a special announcement at the very end of it. I think you're going to want to hear. So, with that out of the way, though, we have a lot to get to today. Trio of great guests. Number one, from the very first show that I hosted, Dan Hardy will be here. We'll recap the action from the weekend with him. Uh, also, from the first show I did, former UFC fighter, podcast extraordinaire, comedian, and so much more, Brendan Schaub will be here. And then the GOAT himself, fresh off a win over Paulie Malignaggi at BKFC, Artem Lobov joins us, I think, at about 1.20 Eastern or so. Plus, you will join me. You will be my guest, as always, not one, two different ways. First, with the tweets, uh, using the hashtag TheMMAHour. We'll respond to some of those. And then with the calls, using the phone number 844-866-2468, or, of course, using the hotline, you can just you know, email a voice to hour at foxmedia.com. So, yes, uh, I took over the show about a year ago, I think a year ago tomorrow. So, this is the one-year anniversary, and with that, we will have something to share in terms of news, uh, but you got to join me all the way through the show today and at the very end. Uh, but I hope to make it worth your while. Okay. Let's get the tweets going if we can, though. How's that? Whenever you're ready. All right. First uh, question gets answered soon as the clock starts. There it is. God damn, I never get that right. There we go. All right. Where would Rafael Lovato Jr. be in the UFC middleweight rankings right now if he fought for the UFC? I'd say top five. Top five, maybe even top three. I don't think folks understand how good he is. He's good enough to either hurt you on the feet or defend himself on the feet, right, against, let's say, better strikers. Uh, and on the ground, who is better than him on the ground in the middleweight division? You could say Demi and Maya, but Demi and Maya couldn't take Lovato down, I don't think. I think he'd be too slick for it. And I don't think uh, Lovato's hardly taken. He's 35, but he hasn't taken hardly any damage. So you never know who could win, who could not, you know, whatever. But easily top five. Easily. All right, next. How impressed were you with Duran Wynn? Do you think middleweight's, middleweight excuse me, is his correct division? I was very impressed by him. That height differential 
And that adaptation by Eric Spicely was so great when he went for the clinch because if someone's taller than you, those knees up the middle, not just through the clinch, but through other uh, attacks, they're always going to be there. So for me, uh, I was very impressed. But I do think that's going to be something he's going to have to work on through the entirety of his career because that's always going to be a problem. So, But, you know, fast hands, good boxing, stance switching, aggressive. Seemed like he was pretty powerful. Uh, good wrestling, obviously, which you'd seen in this fight and many others. I was very impressed. The guy's a tank. Um, has some growing to do, but is a tank. Next. Uh, past six editions of BKFC, how far do you think the promotion can go as far as popularity? Plus, after the fight between Paulie and Lobov, do you think it will attract more MMA fighters and or boxers to bare knuckle? It will attract more if they can get paid more, which remains to be seen. How far do you think the promotion can go as far as popularity? As far as they can drive rivalries and produce stars, which to me remains very unclear. I'm not saying not, but I would bet against most things. Like when you watch this fight, like to me, uh, you can score it either way for me. If you want to score it for Paulie, fine. If you want to score it for Artem, fine. Artem did more damage, I think, pretty clearly. Um, so yeah, score for Artem. But Paulie kind of outboxed him, but Artem kind of outdamaged and muscled him, especially in those later rounds and in the end of that third. So it's like, how much did you really learn? Like, if it was a pure boxing event, seems like Paulie would have done pretty well. And, and in MMA, obviously, Artem would have smoked him. And you got something that was kind of in between, but it, it wasn't bad. It was just Paulie didn't throw him. I don't know. I don't know how much you really got out of it. It was fine. I was interested in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not above it. But what did you learn? I don't know. Next. Thoughts on Chael Sonnen's comments about you. Yeah, you know what's so weird about that? First of all, you watch the video I made. To think that there's anything but compliments in there, you know, is just funny. But here's the thing. Why would you make a video full of verifiable, demonstrable, either outright false statements or badly misleading ones that I can easily show to be that? Which, by the way, I intend to. <laughs> why would you do that? It's like, why make a video that is so easily disproven? You want me to tell the truth? Okay. Careful what you wish for. Next. Uh, do you think Reebok will have an issue with Deron Wynn's Nike swoosh tattoo? Who cares? Next. Uh, okay. What are some of the unique challenges in covering MMA as a journalist compared to other sports? And would you classify what you do as journalism or something else? I guess sometimes what I do is journalism. I don't think I do enough of it to really claim the title. There's like three journalists inside of all of MMA, just to be clear. A lot of people claim that title and then are nothing but sycophants to power. So, no, I don't think I deserve the title. And I think most of my colleagues don't. Some do. Um, what are some of the unique challenges? As you can see, uh, if you don't have unrelentingly nice things to say about fighters, they'll make mean videos about you, which is their right, but sort of silly. Um, Let's see. There's not a lot of money in it for most of the people in the space. And um, I don't think a lot of people are actually interested in real journalism. I think what they're interested in is entertainment journalism, which is not really journalism, but some kind of weird version of it. Uh, which, by the way, if that pays the bills, there's nothing wrong with it exactly other than when you claim, oh, like this is real. You no, know, it's not. Like if people aren't threatening you on a daily basis, <laughs> it's not actually journalism. Journalism is going after the most powerful people uh, and holding them to account. Anything less than that is just entertainment. Next. Next, next, next. Time we have remaining.
With Artem's win in BKFC, do MMA fighters fare well in bare-knuckle boxing more than actual boxers? It seems to be the case as of late. Dirty boxing, clinch work, and general toughness seem to help them out a lot. Thanks, lads. Uh, yeah, I think they do. I think the boxers are just not used to some of those, the, the grittiness, the, the, the gloves. I, I absolutely think so. Like, I think it's much easier for, by the way, it's much easier for an MMA fighter to get into jiu-jitsu. It's easier for, not easy, easier for them to make these lateral moves into all of these composite sports. Um, so yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the boxers are used to some of the degrees of finesse. Um, and you saw some of that. Like when Paulie could keep distance and get the jab to the body and all that stuff, he was doing great. But like later on, he, he, he was tripping over himself a lot too. It was kind of weird. All right, let's go to our first guest if we can. He joins us now through the magic of Skype. And uh, just a great guy. I was on the very first episode of this show that I hosted. I said, well, we got to get him back on for the one-year anniversary. Plus, there was so much content over the weekend. Who could go wrong with this guy? The one and only Dan Hardy is here. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Hey, there he is. Look at Dan. Dan, you had a. Did you travel this weekend? It seems like most weekends you travel. No, I was. At, well, I was actually cornering this weekend. I was down in London at Bellator with Terry Brazier. Um, so as soon as soon as his fight was over, I was back on the motorway, back home to watch the uh, the UFC card. So I've, I've consumed pretty much everything that there's been, but I've, I, w I wasn't at a UFC event this weekend, unfortunately. Look, can we start with the Bellator main event? Did you see that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what are your thoughts on Lovato? By the way, again, I, look, I'm going to get as many predictions wrong as I got right, but I just had a sense just knowing who he was from jiu-jitsu and watching him in Bellator previously. Great finisher with jiu-jitsu, athletic, can wrestle. You just knew this was going to be a problem. Musasi's amazing, and it was very close. Your sense about how Lovato did and why he won? Um, you know, he worked to his strengths. I, I, think, that, I think that was ultimately it, and, and Gegard was never able to, to you know, get ahead of him. Um, I mean, the, the thing is with Gegard Mousasi, you know, sometimes he shows up and he looks like a world beater and other times he shows up and he just he just doesn't seem to be able to get out of third gear. And, and I think that some of that is down to him and, and the way that he shows up. And I think some of it is down to how his opponents uh, show up for the fights. Um, I mean, you know, Lovato's a, a very, very interesting and dangerous guy, the way he fights. You know, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of experience in the grappling range. I, I just feel like, he was able to work to his strengths more. He was able to get out of the gates faster. And I, and I feel like Gegard was never able to really get started. How much of that not getting started can we credit to Lovato, though? Always getting after it in the first, excuse me, the first, yeah, second round, fifth round, and maybe the first or the third, always going for takedowns within 15 seconds of the beginning of the round. I get your point. It's well documented. Everything you're saying is true. On some level, though, I, I feel like Lovato deserves some credit to, to stifle him. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I just, I just feel like Gegard just didn't didn't look himself, and, and you know, Lovato showed up on the night. I, I feel like those two guys can battle back and forth. I feel like they'd be as interesting training partners as they are opponents, to be honest. With the the, the way that their games interact with each other, uh, I'm sure that Gegard's going to look back on that and see lots of ways in which he could have found his way, uh, you know, found his way into the fight and and been able to better Lovato, but it just. It, just wasn't his night, you know. I I feel like they're uh, I feel like they're they're, they're quite evenly matched on uh, on their best days. So where would you put Lovato top ten? Where would you put him? I mean, I guess you have to kind of put him top ten at this point. Where would you put him roughly, give or take? You know, it, it's hard to say because I, I feel like we kind of we kind of lost Musasi in the UFC rankings right at, the, at that time when he was starting to really find his groove. You know, right after he beat Uriah Hall in in Manchester and he started. 
You know, he was trash talking at the press conference. It's the first time we'd seen that version of him. And then I think, you know, the the, con- the controversy around the Weidman fight was a real setback for him. And, and after that point, he stepped out of the ranking. So I don't really know where he is now. I don't really know what drives him because before he left the UFC, what was driving him was to be the best in the world. And, you know, and I'm not saying this in any way because I'm a, I'm a UFC, I, I work for the UFC, but if you want to be the best in the world at the moment, you've, you've still got to be in the UFC. That's why it's difficult to compare because we, we, we kind of don't know. It's not, it's not that we don't know where Musasi is. We knew where he was. We just don't know where he is now. And it's hard to compare where Lovato is. Definitely top 10, though. And I think, you know, with, his, with, with the style of fighting that he's got, he's, he's an, an interesting antagonist to a lot of the guys in the division right now. Um, you know, s- someone... I'd love to see him face, you know, someone like Jacare. Can you imagine that? You know, uh, uh, that'd be a real tussle. I just, it's just difficult to compare because the rankings are separated. I'm, I'm, I'm all for crossover fights, and I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people would be surprising me saying that. But like, but like we saw the Horiguchi uh, uh, fight the other week in Bellas. I'm a big fan of that. I, I want to see these guys, you know, be tested, and and I want to see the promotions invest in their champions. I mean, ultimately, you know, like if, if you think back to, you know, what, what what's the movie Troy? when they call upon the champion of the army to fight instead of the whole army fighting. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I like to see it. So I'd like to see those champions cross over and, and face each other. And I, I hope that one day we can get to that stage. One more question about this sort of as a general overview, which is you look at a fight like this and you say to yourself, okay, clearly you have to be well-rounded because if you didn't have the striking skills of Lovato, which were a step down from Musasi, I think we can all agree to that. Um, you know, you'd be in trouble. And if you didn't have some kind of wrestling, you'd be in trouble. And if you didn't do strength and conditioning at a high, really pinpoint level, you'd be in trouble. At the same time, though, it seems like that jujitsu level ace in the hole, it's still valuable in modern MMA. I feel like we tried to get a homogenized, all things be good. Maybe being a jack of all trades is not as good as being the one who can do some of those things and still has that one little edge. What do you make about specialization in modern MMA? Well, I think... <clears throat> I think what we're seeing right now is a reinforcement of what we learned in the very, very early UFCs. We learned that, you know, that jiu-jitsu ground fighting skills are, are the dominant style of fighting in, you know, in, in most scenarios because most fights move fast enough, they're chaotic enough for guys to close through striking range and end up in some kind of clinch or grappling range at, at some stage in the fight. And, you know, obviously... If, I, if, I'm, if I'm building a fighter from my perspective, I'm starting with the ground up, to be honest. I'm starting at a young age with the ground skills, and then you kind of bolt everything onto that. Because once you've got the confidence on the ground, that's almost like a fighter's foundation. You know, I'm with someone like Lovato or Damian Myers, a good example, someone that's got such a strong foundation on the ground, anything that they build upon on that, that foundation is going to be much stronger, which is why you see you know, a strong wrestler like Tyron Woodley selling so well in the striking range because he knows he's got that in his back pocket. And, and the, the difference where, you know, from, from, from my uh, version, of, from my uh, um, journey in the sport is that I came from the, the top end. It was almost like I was building the roof before I built the foundation. It's, it's kind of how I see it in hindsight. Mm. So, as, so as a striker, I'm starting with the stuff that's floating around at the top. And then I was playing catch up during my career, trying to fill in the space underneath, which is, you know, clinch work, takedown defense, you know, submission, defense, and then then attack at the bottom. I, I didn't. I built the wrong way around. Uh, you know, in, in a grander picture. So I think that specialization, at the moment, all is proven to us is that jujitsu is the strongest foundation you can have in the sport. My argument then would be that wrestling is the strongest foundation because then you can dictate the ranges. But 
it for me, this, you know, MMA is not about dictating ranges. It's about finishing people. Um, and I think if you've got a strong specialization in grappling and striking, the wrestling's much of a muchness because you can exploit at the other ends of the spectrum where, where your opponent's weak. Uh, let's talk about the UFC card. Korean Zombie is back, just absolutely obliterating Moicano. I actually want to talk about Moicano in a second. I made this point on Twitter the night of the fight. If you were around in the sport when he was fighting Dustin Poirier's back in Fairfax, Virginia, you can't. He, he was like the original Justin Gaethje to an extent, something like that, where Dana White was wearing his shirts. He was known as Mr. All Action and yet world class, still very good. I think the casual fan, Dan, kind of forgot about it. Not the hardcore fan, but the casual fan. Wow, what a reminder that was on Saturday night. What is your take on how he did? Uh, I was just so impressed with his timing, with his composure. Um, you know, and the thing is as well, it, that something that we've, we've seen very little of throughout his career is, is what it means to him. You know, when he got up on the fence afterwards, you, can, you could see the emotion. You could see how much it means to him. And that, that for me shows a lot because that means he's going to carry that into his next fight. I, I just I think he's a very exciting individual, and I, I was I was at American Top Team, you know, a week or so ago, watching Moicano prepare, and I mean that just adds credibility to the victory to me. Moicano looks very very impressive. He, he was he was sharp. He was able to maintain range with every one of his opponents very well. He was able to establish their timing very well, and that was something that immediately was was apparent against Zombie. Was he, he just he, he could. <laughs> He just didn't see him moving. You know, it was it was it was almost like he didn't believe he was attacking him with such confidence at such speed. Here's a question that I don't know the I legitimately sometimes I say I don't know the answer because I'm just being nice to a guest, but no, I'm being dead serious, Dan. I'm really looking for some help. I'm lost on this one. Other than when it's obvious to everybody, when do you throw in the towel on a prospect? And here's what I mean. Moicano's obviously very good. He's beaten good fighters. But I think the UFC, every time they bump him up that next level, whether it's Aldo, whether it's Brian Ortega, whether it's Zombie, they keep trying to see if he can get that level, and he, and, I, and he, he so far he hasn't, and he's age 30. Now, Sage Northcutt is much younger, Aaron Pico even younger than that. They're in different stages, but that's sort of my point. At what point can you say, this guy's going to make it, this guy's not? Because I don't know the answer. What do you think? Um, I, well, I, I, don't, I don't think there is an answer. I don't know. I think it, I think it depends on the individual. I think on a grander picture, I think we focus far too much on the on the destination in MMA. You know, it's, and it's a sporting mentality. We want to see the winner. We want to see the finish line. We want to know who the champion is. And the reality is that, that there'll always be another champion. There'll always be somebody else. And what we've seen from fighters in this sport is that because we don't bank so much on an undefeated record, because we are more forgiving in MMA, and we do see people rise and fall and then rise again. I mean, like, if I was a boxer... After two losses, I'd have been counted out. You knock me out in London, and I'm not getting signed for another decent fight. You know, whereas in MMA, I was back coming event against Anthony Johnson in my next fight. It's, it, this is a, although although it can seem like a very cruel sport, it is very forgiving. And from a martial arts side, like it's not about a destination; it's about a journey. Like you know, at what point would we have hung up the gloves on Michael Bisping if it was up to us? You know, and he, and it would have most definitely been before he won the title for a lot of people. We're still we're looking at that for a Cowboy now. I know he's coming off a loss, but I don't think that throws shade on the fact that he's still got a lot of potential to do something big in this sport. I mean, he's already a superstar as it is. I, I just I feel like the ebb and the flow is is so much more important than the destination. And for Moicano, he's he's you know I don't know how old he is off the top of my head, but he's certainly not as old as me. And you know, there's still time for me. So um, I, I'm I don't I don't check out on people until they check out on themselves. And Moicano is not that guy.
Fair enough. Um, Wakano's 30, so there's still plenty of time. He's not He's not by any means uh, a finished product either. So, by the way, I asked you this a year ago. You still mulling a return? You know You know what? I, I'm always mulling a return, and I, I'll get a few days of training together, and then I'll be dragged off somewhere else in the world to talk about somebody else fighting instead of myself. Um, I, I did spend a, a week at American Top Team, though, doing some filming with Amanda Nunes and uh, a few other the fighters there, and Every time I'm around Conan Silvera, I always I always start feeling like I'm starting a training camp. He's just he's got that talk. He's got that. Hey, when you come in, when are you going to move in? We've got a room for you in the ATT dorms. We're gonna we've got this coach to work with and that coach to work with. And you know I'm there watching these fighters prepare and daydream. And then I'll come home and I'll hit the bag for a while, as you, you might have saw on my Instagram. I'm 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 moving well. I, I feel good. I'm moving well. I I feel like there's. I don't think I'll ever be able to fully retire. There's no point I'm going to be able to set my gloves off and 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 leave them in the octagon, especially because I want to come and hang them to the wall in my uh, hang them on the wall in my gym as well. I don't leave gloves behind. Um, I'm yeah, I'm I would love to fight again. I absolutely would. I've got I've got ideas in my head of who I would like to fight and where I would like to fight, but none of that's relevant right now. What I need to do is get myself into a position where my my body's moving well over over a, a couple of months. Um, and you know the USADA testing pool will give me that time. I've just got to, I've just got to jump in instead of dipping my toe in the water every now and then when I see Jeff Nowitzki. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the other fight this weekend, the bare knuckle one. I was not one of these guys who was super opposed to it. I thought, I, I, I okay, I heard that Malinaji was making stupid money for this fight, like the kind you could not turn down, really not turn down. Huge figure. I don't know what Artem got paid, but hopefully it was a lot as well. And I wasn't against it because I thought it was kind of interesting. It's like a boxer who's been retired for a long time but did really well in boxing versus uh, a, a UFC fighter who did okay um, but had sh- new bare knuckle. MMA translates better to bare knuckle and ha- you know was full of just verve to get out there. So that was kind of interesting, right? I'm not sure what I learned. What did you learn? <laughs> um. I, I learned the same from this from this recent event as I have done from the previous ones. Is at the moment everyone's fighting bare knuckle like it's not bare knuckle, and that, that's what I'm seeing through, throughout the whole sport. And that, that's why I knew Paulie would struggle not only because he wasn't a particularly powerful boxer, um, but because he's got very delicate hands. You know, you take away that padding, and the other thing as well, I, the amount of boxers that I know that I've trained with that have damaged their hands, and the amount of martial artists that have punched many many people in the skull with four ounce gloves on and never hurt themselves. I, I, I feel like there's a different condition that comes with with even hitting with MMA gloves on. I, I did probably the first eight or ten years of my training with no gloves on at all. Sometimes mm. I'd wrap, sometimes I wouldn't bother, and it, you know it builds the structure of the hand to you know to make a, a fist like a square block. You look at a boxer's hand in a glove, and it's shaped like this. And if Paulie was breaking his hands when he was wearing gloves, he, he was always going to hurt himself when he wasn't. So how do you keep off someone like Artem? You know, but the thing is, like, as as much as we love the way that Artem fights, and we say, you know, you know, that he's maybe representing MMA in some way, he's not. I mean, Artem's a Artem's a fun guy to watch, and he's a brawler. You know, he's got some good skills, but as far as MMA goes, he, his journey didn't work out well in MMA. You know, he got to the UFC and he had he had some good scraps, but he's a brawler, he's a fighter, and that's why we love him. Um, it's not it's not a representation of MMA for me, and it's not not about boxing against MMA. It's about two guys that like fighting, that have fighting skills, that, that have got got a problem with each other and they want to test. And the only thing I will say about the bare knuckle boxing thing is that if it had have, if the first bare knuckle boxing event would have happened at the same time as the first UFC event, they would have evolved together. 
in different paths, obviously, but together. You see, MMA's changed so much since that first event, and bare-knuckle boxing as it is right now has got loads of people coming from different combat sports and trying to figure out how to fight bare-knuckle. And if you go back to, like, you know, the, the 1900s, you know, early 20th century, if you look at photos of bare-knuckle boxers, the way they stand, the way that they fight, the way they throw their punches, I've got loads of old boxing literature in my library. And, you know, you compare the way that they, those guys stand. And it's far more further back. They use the back of their knuckles all the time. And they're not punching like they've got gloves on. And they're not guarding like they've got gloves on. I would say that's the only reason why MMA guys are maybe coming across a bit better is because they're used to not having, you know, an extra three inches of padding around their hand. Um, but I think bare knuckle boxing will evolve on its own. And I think eventually we're going to get guys that are pure bare knuckle boxers. And I'm excited to see that. I can't hate on somebody else's journey. I'm, I, love, I love fighting as much as the next guy. Uh, the criticism of bare knuckle boxing has been it just keeps catching people from the other relevant combat sports on their way down. I'm not saying I necessarily endorse it, but that's the common view. Do you share some of those concerns that it's not at this point recruiting or is this maybe that's maybe your viewpoint is maybe that's true for now. But if it keeps going, it will get its original entrance. Yeah, I think so. I look back over the years of, of the guys that have walked through the doors of our gym and I would say probably five percent of them would have been much better going down the route of bare knuckle boxing. Um, you know, and I think if they would have specialized in that, it, they would have developed the sport in a way that would look very different to what it does right now. Um, I, 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 I have no problem with it, really. I think it's unfortunate that that connection's been established because it is an obvious pathway for guys that, um, that, that are no longer uh, successful in MMA. And because there's no... Although there are kind of there's kind of a rough idea of a feeder league that goes up to the UFC, there are certain promotions you can fight to go up. There's nowhere that catches you when you fall from the UFC. So if you still want to continue fighting, there's, there's nowhere that you can go after the UFC unless you want to go back down to the, the lower circuits. But then that's kind of a crapshoot as to where you, you end up. Whereas if you've been competing at the top level and you, you've got good exposure, you're being offered decent money to cross over to something different, then... I, I don't. I don't understand why people wouldn't. I, I get it. I, I absolutely get it. I mean, it's a different in a different life in a different dimension. I'd have been a bare knuckle boxer, and I would have loved it, and I'd have probably had no teeth. But it, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just like you know, like you're you're a big hockey fan. The amount of players that we get coming over to Europe that are coming to the end of their career can't compete at the top level anymore. They come over here and they rough it in Europe because we have some real brawlers over here. It's you know, it, it's. I don't, I don't see why anybody should have the choice to cut that option off for anybody else. I just, as you said, this transition period where guys that are finding their way out of other combat sports and that's acting as a safety net for them to make some extra cash. I'm, I'm looking forward to that dynamic changing and seeing some proper bare-knuckle boxes develop. Fair enough. All right, what's next for you? When are you back on the road? What projects are you working on? Oh, what's next? Vegas. <laughs> I've got eight I've got Cage Warriors Night of Champions this weekend, this Saturday. Um, I've got three fighters on the card on that, and I'll be there doing some TV stuff for them. And then the next morning, I'm flying to Vegas, and I'm in Vegas for the whole of International Fight Week. Uh, not exactly sure what I'm doing on fight night, though. I might be doing some, uh, some, some radio commentary somewhere. But, um, yeah, living life, living the All best right. life I can. All right, very quickly, before we let you run, let's do the main event for that UFC card. John Jones taking on Tiago Santos. Um, look. John might be the best fighter we've ever seen, all right? So it's hard to say exactly what Tiago Santos can do. But maybe you think there's some ideas. You've seen how he's evolved. You've seen him uh, compete. I made the case for Anthony Smith. Not that I said he was going to win, but if he does, it's going to be under these conditions. 
What are the conditions under which Thiago Santos can win? Um, look, the obvious one, really, he has to be himself. He, he has to not fall into the, that John Jones voodoo that everyone seems to get caught in. You know, and we saw it so much in his last two fights against uh, against Smith and Gustafson. Guys fall into this trap where they never get started. He, he stifles every attack with just a poke or a prod or a feint. Um, and the danger for Thiago Santos is that if he gets caught in that rhythm, he'll be stuck there for 25 minutes or, or less, obviously. Um, he needs to he needs to create his opportunities. He needs to stay mobile. He needs to give John Jones a blank face and, and not recognize him as the greatest fighter on the planet. He needs to attack him. He needs to damage him. And, and this was a, a conversation John and I were having, John Gooden and I, when we were filming Inside the Octagon, which will be up soon. It, the person that beats John Jones technically isn't in the UFC right now. The person that stands in front of John Jones and plays kickboxing with him and out-wrestles him and out-grapples him that person's not in the UFC right now because when they come into the UFC, we'll recognize them immediately because they'll be special. So the person that beats John Jones right now could be any of the four or five guys that are rising through this division because they're wild, they're reckless, they're powerful. They're as tall as John Jones. They're rangy, they're aggressive. And we've seen them stopping everybody. And we've got, you know, the likes of Rakic and Reyes and who am I forgetting? Johnny Walker. Um, I, I still put Anthony Smith in that in that group. I think he's even closer to that now. He's had an experience with John Jones, and he's he's, he's experienced John Jones from his own defence, which has given him confidence. Um, I think we have a lot of guys in this division right now. Obviously, Santos being the top of the pile, that could be the, the hand grenade for John Jones's career. It, it's not going to be an outclass in over five rounds. It's going to be something explosive and nasty that John Jones didn't see coming. And unfortunately, we don't have the technical guy that's going to beat him, I don't think, right now. But we've got a lot of guys that can really throw, throw a wrench in the works. And that's what we're all watching at the moment. You know, every one of the John Jones's fights is which one of these guys can catch him. Well, Dan, it's always great to catch up with you. You've been great to me for a very good long time. And I um, always appreciate your analysis. And uh, enjoy Vegas, my friend. You are uh, Hunter Thompson, Hunter S. Thompson's number one MMA fan, or from MMA anyway. Enjoy. Thank you, my friend. Good, always good talking to you. I'll see you soon. Likewise, there's Dan Hardy. Always has great analysis. All right, so shocker, Brendan Schaub's giving me some issues. Uh, he's getting, we're getting him now. I thought he could do one ten. Ah, oh, one oh five. Look at that. I got all these like frantic texts from Brendan Schaub being like, "I got to push it back to like four p.m." I'm like, uh, "Brendan, show's not on at four, so that's not going to work." Uh, but I guess we can get that worked out. Yeah, man, Dan's great. Dan's really great. He was on the first show, and uh, I could talk to him all day. I think he's right about some of the bare knuckle stuff for sure, evolving in its own way. And everyone doesn't really know. We don't really know how to fight bare knuckle. We, we know how to fight like with other ways, and we just port that over. And maybe it has success, and maybe it doesn't. I think that's a pretty good point because when I watched that fight with Paulie, I was like, Paulie's doing better as a boxer, but this ain't boxing. So Artem's doing better as like a sort of in your face brawler. But it's not in your face brawling exactly either. It can be that. It can be boxing. It was just weird to see. It didn't make it didn't make all the sense in the world. So I don't know. Um, there's that. All right. We're gonna get Mr. Shab up here. Gonna talk to him. By the way, someone sent me this. I don't know who wrote it. Oh, Guillerme Bravo. I do not know who this gentleman is. Uh, he wrote a book, apparently in the hands of the judges which is, I guess, trying to understand the judging perspective. Guillermo, I will, I will read this book, I promise, at some point. 
don't know if I'll read it immediately. But I just got this in the mail today. I didn't know I had this. So forgive me for not being able to uh, get to this closer. Um, yeah, what a weekend, man. What a weekend. So many things going on. I still can't get over that whole uh, Bellator main event thing. Being on the Bellator app and I'm paying for DAZN. Why? <laughs> you got to pay to get Paramount through a cable subscription or even like Sling. You got to pay to get DAZN. The Bellator app is free, I guess, so that's better. But then I can't get what I'm paying for on the thing I'm paying for. I will not understand that even a little bit. That, that is a little bit hard for me to, 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 to gather. There's got to be some kind of purpose. I don't think they did it by accident. But, you know, folks, Bellator, it's got to be more hand in glove. You know what I'm saying? It's got to be a little easier to get your things. Yeah, I don't know what to do about that. Any other strong performers from that UFC Greenville card? Uh, there was a couple. Andrea Lee looked physically imposing on Montana De La Rosa. I noticed that when they were in anything. De La Rosa has good jiu-jitsu, of course, great jiu-jitsu, but um, Andrea Lee was just a physical powerhouse up in that thing. So she was a strong performer. Eric Spicely, God, it broke my heart about Eric Spicely. I mean, I'm glad he got the win. I'm glad he got the bonus, all that stuff. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, taking the fight on short notice. You got to fight Duran win on short notice. That can't be easy. And then he had minus 230 in his bank account, which he said on Twitter. I'm not, you know, breaking any news. Now, he got the bonus, so that part's great. But, ugh, it's a rough life, man. It's hard to be a fighter. Hard. Hard way to make a dollar. Take my hat off to these uh, women and uh, men. Uh, that is not easy. Not easy at all. Paul Daly looked nice, by the way, against Eric Silva, I thought. Second round on, uh, for sure. Nice win for him. James Gallagher got back to his winning ways, too, man. It goes back to the whole thing. It's like they're matching up Valerie Lareda for her early stage career the right way. They're matching up Dylan Danis for his early stage career the right way. Gallagher, they were matching up. Seemed he had a bit of a stumble so that they regrouped. I thought he got a right kind of opponent. I thought he looked pretty good. You know, definitely get back on that winning track and and did you hear what he said after the fight, that he had an injury, that he was going to pull out of the fight, that he was going to quit fighting altogether, and he just gathered himself and went out there and marched forward? I've said this before, man. Like, I know he pisses off a lot of people because of his act or whatever, and, or whatever it is, like the stuff he does. Whether you want to call it an act or not. But in person with me, you know, he's incredibly nice. Incredibly nice. And always has been, and uh, I, I really appreciate that. All right, he's tardy for the party, but we got him. Podcast extraordinaire, podcaster, excuse me, extraordinaire, comedian, former UFC fighter, friend of the program, the one and only Brendan Schaub is here. Hi, Brendan. What's up, brother? Look at that crisp HD. I get to see your face way too close. Yeah, what up, dog? It's like a FaceTime. Uh, all right, so you got to go to where? Calgary this past weekend? Where'd you go? Yeah, I was in Calgary doing shows How is up it? there. How's Calgary? Uh, I like Calgary, man. I I don't know. It's it's like I don't know why, but it's one of my best markets. Canada's good to me, man. I love Canada. Canada is a underrated country. It's amazing to me how many Americans have never been to Canada. I agree. It's like uh, it's like the state, but way cleaner, and everyone's nicer, and they have great food. And uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's just the spots I go to, like Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Uh, Montreal, Toronto, but they have the best looking women in the world as well. 
I've heard I've heard I've only been to Montreal and Toronto. I've not been to the other ones, so I'm kind of dying to go. All right. Well, by the way, their customs though took forever. How long did it take you to get through customs? You know what? Not too bad. Because you don't have to fill out the paper anymore. Everything's uh, automatic. Pretty dumb. Bro, I went for the and, and G- you can get and you can get Nexus, bro. You get Nexus. We just skip everything. Yeah, my wife has that. The thing about it is, is uh, I saw um, GSP fight Shields, and I had to go to Toronto. Oh, my God, dude. It was <laughs> – it took two hours to get through customs. I wanted to kill somebody. I'm glad to hear it's since improved. All right, let's talk about BKFC. Your boy over there at Showtime, Paulie Malinaji. What would you think? Uh, so I was watching it in between shows. So I had a 7.30 show and then a 10.30. So I watched it uh in between so i was a little distracted um so i haven't got to watch it again but uh i thought it could have went either way um i thought paulie i i kind of edged paulie out with three rounds i thought he did enough to win three rounds um wasn't the the excitement and the fireworks i was hoping for i thought paulie fought very kind of timid he fought very boxer-ish especially only having five rounds. Um, he started off at like a 12-round pace. I thought it was very slow, methodical, out, kind of outclassed him, outpointed him, just throwing jabs. I thought, all right, if this is what he wants to do. That's great. And then Artem was very hesitant. You could see his he couldn't get Paulie's timing down. He's kind of whiffing. Um, I, I don't know. It, I thought it was a weird, weird exchange. I thought the whole thing was kind of awkward. Um, I can I can see how he gave it to Artem. I wasn't mad at the decision. I actually like the, you know, as much fun as I like to make fun of uh, of Bare Knuckle, I thought the pacing was good. I don't know what the broadcast was like because I didn't have volume, but I thought the pacing of the show was good. I thought the overall product was was not terrible. All right, so this is what I thought when I saw it. The, the, the rounds you want to give to Paulie are what, first, second, and third? Yes, correct. One, two, yeah. three. Yeah, so the first two he clearly won. first two he clearly lost. The third I thought he was winning – up until that one late punch and maybe that stole the round, it's really kind of hard to know. But, like, in terms of, like, was this a good thing for Paulie? He got super paid. He got super paid. I, I heard he got— Did he, what, what, What's super paid? What's super paid, Luke? I heard he got seven figures for that fight. You heard that, too? <laughs> um, all right. Well, then he got super paid. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen, if he got paid seven figures, hats off to him. He, he deserves it. For for the longest, and you know, it, to be honest, him and I were supposed to do a food truck diary together when I was in New York, but because I, I've been so critical of him, I think, you know, he, we decided not to do it because I've been very outspoken on why is he doing this? He's the best analyst in the game. It, you know, he's punching down. Why is he doing this? And then I don't, one morning I woke up, I'm like, what do I care? If Paulie wants to do this, he can still be one of the best analysts in the game, but this is just kind of a, a side hustle for him. If he's making seven figures, we're all talking about it. Listen, Lovato fought this weekend, Musasi, Korean Zombie. There were some phenomenal fights. No one was talking about those other fights. You know, everyone was looking forward to Pauly versus Arda. So, you know, at the end of the day, if that's what makes Pauly happy, I'm all about it. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, um, I don't know why I cared so much going into it, meaning I thought it was a bad look for Polly, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I was wrong. He got paid. We're all talking about it. You know, he didn't get knocked out. If he would have went in there and got knocked out, then it would have been an awful career move for him. But we're all talking about it. He's all right. 
Yeah, in the end, when I watched the fight, I was kind of anticlimactic to a degree. Artem did what he was supposed to do, I think, for the most part. And if Paulie got paid what I heard he got paid, and that's the way the fight turned out, I guess I'm ready. I guess it wasn't that big a deal in the end. It's sort of the way I look at it. I, I would have liked a clear cut winner, meaning I would have liked Paulie to outclass him. My prediction was, and I text my friends, I don't know if I announced this on the show, but my prediction was I thought Polly was going to piece him up early on and then struggle with his hands. I thought he would break his hands and then Artem would win via decision. That's why mm. I texted Rogan. I tried texting to you, but my service was bad. So I'll snap <laughs> screenshot that for you. Um, that's why I text most people that I thought Artem would win via decision due to Polly whooping his ass so bad, breaking his hand. Yeah. The other part that people don't realize too is Polly has a good chin. I knew Artem was unlikely to knock him out. I knew it was going to go the distance. I just didn't know what was going to happen in the interim. Uh, very quickly, if we can, let's talk about this. Uh, Lovato Jr. beating Musasi. What do you make of it? I, man, I, I think Musasi's one of the best, you know, and I, I, I was really surprised that Lovato beat him. But, you know, Lovato's undefeated, big dude. Uh, it's impressive, man. His story is great. His story is phenomenal. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, American jiu-jitsu kind of competition jiu-jitsu practitioner of all time. So, uh, I mean, he's just doing his thing, man. I, I think it's good for Bellator. I really do. Um, where would you – beating Musasi puts you where in the rankings? That's tough, right? Mm, top fives. But yeah, I, could, I, w I wouldn't say he's the best in the world. Top no. fives. I'd like to see a rematch. Yeah, I think – you think you're going to do one? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet they do. They probably do because Musasi's obviously a really important signing for them. Uh, you know what's funny? I was going back and prep for this interview, uh, Brendan, and I was looking at a video that you did with who's the blonde from? Uh, I forget. I'm sorry to refer her to that way. I don't know her name. She is from FS1. She was originally Colin Coward's co-host. Oh, Chris, Kristen, Christina Leahy. Leahy, Christina Leahy. You did an interview with her, and in that interview, you called. This is before the fight. You called Anthony Joshua uh, most overrated. People got real bitter, and then he lost. I wonder if people have since apologized. Oh, no, that's so silly. Yeah, people, whenever I say anything about Anthony Joshua, especially the people over the, over the pond here, freak, freak out. Uh, my whole thing I was calling him overrated is because I want him and Wilder to fight. So I thought by doing that, it would get to him or his handler, Eddie Hearn, and it just you know, keeps Wilder versus freaking Joshua in the news because I want them to fight. Um, and I know they were close to making a deal. So that's why I was doing that. I was trying to poke the bear there. And then it pokes the fans, though. Yeah, but nevertheless, I don't think he's overrated depending on what one means by that. But uh, he did lose ultimately. And I've heard even some analysts, I think maybe in Teddy, Teddy Atlas, I don't know. I don't want to say that exactly, saying uh, they're not sure to what extent he can come back from this. I wonder... I mean, was it strictly trolling or was there any merit to that position? Um, I, I don't think, I, listen, it's a kind of a three horseman race, right? So you got Wilder, you got Fury, you got Anthony Joshua. And I think it's all about matchups. I think Fury beats all of them. I literally, I do. I think he's the number one heavyweight in the world. And then I think between Joshua and Wilder, it's a toss up, man. So um, I don't think he's overrated, but I think out of the three, he definitely doesn't uh deserve the most merit out of the three so he's he's kind of the poster child especially for DAZN and for you know uh, europe but in america not so much i think fury's kind of taking that title 
especially after his performance, uh, what was it, a week or so ago. All right, uh, Korean Zombie just absolutely melts Hanato Moicano. I was trying to tell folks years ago, back when you were a UFC fighter, long time ago, Korean Zombie was sort of the original Justin Gaethje. That's not quite right, but it's something like that. And here he gets out yeah, and reminds great. everybody of what time it is. What is still the upside? How far can Korean Zombie go? Uh, man, I, I like where he's at. I think, you know, when he kind of went away to, to serve his country, I thought it did him, uh, you know, a lot of benefits. I, I think he's healthy, not as much brain trauma, maybe a little relaxed on, on, the, on the damage there. He still has the greatest walkout shirt of all time, if you remember. We were all wearing it, man. Uh, even Dana White was rocking that shirt. We all rocked that Korean Zombie shirt. I forget who made it. The Tricoaster or something like that? So oh, definitely not good. around anymore. Yeah. Great shirt, though. Something like that. But go ahead. Um, I, I Literally, I, I would love to see him get a title shot. I really would. I think he has a great story. He's marketable. He actually changed his name to uh, Zombie, so I'm a fan. And Moicano, age 30, goes up against Brian Ortega. I mean, that's Brian Ortega, right? He's very good. He was beating him for most of that fight, but then loses. Goes up and fights Aldo. Maybe you could say the fight was stopped a little bit early, but still was getting pieced up a little bit. And then in this one, you know, I, there's just nothing to say about it. It's as clean as day. I was asking Dan Hardy about it. Like, when do you make a call about what someone's upside is? And his answer is, you can't until it's all over. Okay, fair enough. I, I certainly don't know the answer. I wonder, though, what you make of what, what we talked about Korean zombies upside. But what about Moicano now? It's tough to tell a guy his upside, right? Because we've had guys, especially in the UFC, who it looks like game over. Then they go on these crazy runs. So um, I, I really think it's up to the fighter to decide. You know, I, if it's something internal where he doesn't want to be there, he's one foot in, one foot out. If it's a matter of him just getting older. But I, I think with uh, both these guys, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see that. So I, I don't think it's tough for the media to say, Oh, you know, I, I think his ceilings here. We kind of don't know, uh, especially in the light, light, lighter weight classes. Uh, we, we really don't know. Why are the lighter weight classes? Uh, cause I feel like they, they have such a ceiling to advance, to grow. I just feel like their skill sets, um, you know, they, they come in at, with such a high skill set. It's a, just a more of a mental uh, kind of click to get them to, to that title shot. Whereas heavyweight, they're older. They're not going to pick up a, a, a lot of the skills. They kind of, they, they are who they are. A lot of times with the lighter uh, weight class guys, all everyone's talented. One through 15, 15 can beat one, 13 can beat two. I think it's more of a mental thing because they, they're so damn skilled at the lighter weight classes. Was there ever a moment in your career, not when you were like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but when you thought like, I'm not getting any better, where you thought like, I just, I think I'm stuck here. Did that, did that ever happen? No, no, not for me. Cause I started so late in the game and I got kind of catapulted to fighting these monsters. So, uh, I knew my ceiling was high, but what was the, the marker against me was experience. So there, there's things I knew I did really well. And even though I was fighting veterans like Ben Rothwell or Noguera or Crow Cop or, you know, uh, Gonzaga, I knew my athletic ability would get me far, but I, I knew it could only get me so far. Because it just takes time to learn the skills that these guys developed over years. So I thought my ceiling was really high if I stuck with it, but I was aware that experience was the kind of the common theme there with, with these bouts I had. You ever had some a fighter confess that to you in the gym, being like, "Dude, I'm I can't I'm just stuck here. I can't get better. I've been trying for years. I'm I'm, I'm I've plateaued." No, not really, not really. I, you know, I think uh, the only 
No, not really. No, because uh, all the guys I kind of trained with, um, they were monsters, you know, from <laughs> from Bisbing to uh, uh, Mark Munoz, Leoto Machida. Like they were so their their skill set was so high. I don't think they needed to get better. They just needed to train smarter and rest their bodies. Who is like the? I was always uh, the young. I was always, I was always the young buck in the gym. Most gyms, I was always the least experienced. Um, you know, I was never kind of a leader in the gym. I was always the young buck. Young buck. Interesting. Um, okay, let's transition if we can. Then, oh no, wait, one more about this. Of all the people you char- uh, trained with, I don't mean like who was the craziest, but who was like the most intense at all times. Not wild, but like just kind of dialed in constantly. You know, what I'm talking about like that wrestling oh, coach. Oh, Bisbing, for sure. Why? Bisbing, uh, because even in the drilling, the pace was so high. He was nonstop. It was like, he, he was very, he was safe about it. But even, even when he, we were just doing light kind of drilling to get ready for wrestling or whatever it was, his pace was so high and he'd get a workout from everything. I could see why his cardio was so good. And he was all business. You know, like I might joke around here and there. Or if Cheo was there or if Munoz or Machito, like I'd joke around. But with Bisbing, it was just it was all business. He was there, he was clocked in, and you know that's why he became a world champion. All right, so let's transition if we can. Coming up here, not uh, too far away, UFC 239, John Jones taking on Tiago Santos. I asked Dan Hardy this. I'll ask you something similar. Under what conditions could it happen that Tiago Santos wins? A sniper shoots John Jones in the ankle, <laughs> walking into the octagon. Um, I, you know, I, I I know people are trying to hype this up and sell pay-per-views. There's just, there's not a light heavyweight alive. Who's going to beat John Jones. There's, there's, they're not even close. Um, he should probably be a, you know, a, a minus 3000 favorite for every fight he has in the light heavyweight division. Um, I, I'd be interested to see if, uh, Luke Rockhold gets healthy and how he looks at light heavyweight, you know, so maybe there, there's something there cause he's a bigger, stronger dude. He's good in every aspect. So, I have hope for Luke Rockhold against John Jones, but outside that, there's nothing there. He's just stacking up bodies. Um, he, he's the greatest light heavyweight of all time. I'd love to see him at heavyweight, but as far as light heavyweight, it's gonna be a tough sell, man. UFC's gonna, it's just they're just gonna have to take the Mike Tyson approach. Just hey, watch John beat this guy up. So, are you not interested in a third fight with Cormier, or you rather you would like to see it? You just don't think it'll happen. Uh, I think it happens because I think. The UFC is going to throw the book at DC, which they should. And I'd like to see it at heavyweight. At light heavyweight, listen, I've seen it twice, man. I know John was on stuff, whatever. We've seen how that pans out. But at heavyweight, that 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 huge gap that there is between DC and John, it comes down a little. Comes down a little. DC, he can knock dudes out at heavyweight, and you know he landed some good shots on John in the, in those matches. So I like DC's chances at heavyweight better. Does he beat him? I don't know. But at least there's that unknown factor. I like heavyweight. All right, I'm good, man. I've seen it twice. I don't care for it. But a heavyweight, John Jones, DC, trilogy, heavyweight world title. What are we doing? That's easy, man. That's an easy sell. All right. Uh, Jorge Masvidal taking on Ben Askren. Here's the question. If Ben wins, do you think he will be able to effectively lobby on his behalf for a title shot? Yes. Easily, you know, um, Ben's biggest problem is going to be figuring out Jorge Masvidal, not if he wins, if he's going to get a title shot, because he's so good at talking his way into these big fights. He's going to take care of that. 
and you know it's on record. I'm a big Ben Askren fan. I, I love Ben. Um, so I think he's I think he has his hands full with with Jorge. You know that that his first UFC fight against Robbie Lawler was if you're a Ben Askren fan it was a scary one. So um, you know I'm interested to see how it goes because Jorge Masvidal is an absolute nightmare. But I and- but no matter what, if Ben were to win, I would imagine he gets his way in the for the title shot. Now, ahead of Colby or in the queue behind him? I don't know, man. It's dicey, so, right? Colby, it's, is it? I, I don't know. You look at the history of the UFC and the decisions they make. You know, Colby, it's kind of, no one's really talking about him, is he? So, obviously, he's going to try to come up with something to get in, in the news here. I, I, I probably show up to the you know press conference, something like that. Or, you know, he's going to do something. But no, we're not really talking about him. When's the last time you broke down something Colby Covington did? When's the last time you... You know what I'm saying? Like, out of sight, out of mind, especially with the UFC. They do not care, man. Interesting. Yeah, I talked to him about Fleet Week, but point taken. You're talking about, like, with the MMA stuff. Um, All right, Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm. What chance do you give Holm here? Oh, look at that face. She has more of a chance than that. Oh, no, I like – no, no, no. I was was raising my eyebrows. I like Holly Holm's chance. I think she has a great chance. Uh, And I always – you know, when when I'm talking about – if you want to make money on fights, I don't know what the 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 odds are on Holly there, but you know I, I like her chances a whole lot. I think Amanda Nunes is the greatest uh, female fighter of all time, but you know Holly Holmes, she matches up well with her. I really like Holly Holmes' chance there. What would you like for Amanda if she's only got two fights left? This one and what the Cyborg rematch or something else? Back down to fight Valentina at some point because Amanda has talked about. Well, I don't know if I'm going to stick around. We'll see how this goes. Either one of those is interesting to me, but I got to tell you, the one that's a little bit more interesting for me is the Valentina one. Now, Valentina clearly lost the first fight. I thought she won the second fight. Yeah. You could do a champ-champ thing in the middle, right? Yeah, I like the champ-champ thing. Yeah, I don't... If she's only going to do two, I like the Valentina thing because she's so hot right now, you know, after that freaking walk-off home run to the head kick. But, um, yeah, I, I do. I think uh, Valentina did beat her. I agree with you there. I, I The champ-champ thing, I'm all about that. And then if she does whatever happens there, if she does lose and, you know, you got all your, your, your money on Valentina as being the next huge star for female. So yeah, I dig that. I wouldn't mind the cyborg rematch, but no one's really calling for it. Are they? I don't at all. Yeah. Not a whole lot. You're the first person I've heard talk about it. No. Um, all right. So what's next for you, my friend, you're on the road. Like it is a contest. What do you got going on? (laughs) Just, just not tour, man. Standard road dog comedy stuff man i uh i'm here now at uh the freaking i'm trying to get my rob derdick uh freaking enterprise on man so i'm in below the belt studios now they're building out finding the kids studios next door and i do king this thing in the other door so i'm gonna have the whole kind of squad here under one roof so working on that man yeah i'm on tour i'm in brea this weekend and then i go to indy and uh cincinnati What's your so favorite tour, man. favorite city not named Washington, D.C. to do comedy in is what? <laughs> D.C. Improv's great, man. Uh, I, I, honestly, I, it'd be hard to pick a favorite. I'm really uh, I'm in love with Cleveland, man. I did a venue there called Hilarities. Cleveland was great. I love Portland. It's a, They're all pretty good, man. There's never been – the only kind of dice one I ever had was St. Louis. I probably won't go back there. It just wasn't ran very well, but um, all of them are great. St. Louis, that is an interesting place. I saw Kimbo fight uh, Ken Shamrock there. It, the, the, there I, was, I was staying downtown. Everything was closed. 
I'm like, the down. how is everything downtown closed? I don't know. Ask St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis gets a little dicey. However, best barbecue and best pizza I've ever had in my life. They, they have a pizza there. It's kind of a deep dish. If the pizza's so good, when Obama was the president, they would fly this guy in to the White House to make pizza for him. Hmm. And Obama's from Chicago. Think about it. That's how good the pizza was. All right. That was the only be... good thing in St. Louis, though. <laughs> Here I am pissed. Everyone's like, you can go toward the Anheuser-Busch uh, thing. I'm like, I'd rather die. So I'll skip that. Thanks. Yeah, good. Uh, all right, Brendan, uh, you were on the first show I did here. You're on the uh, one-year anniversary. Thank you, my friend. Best of luck to everything you're doing. We'll catch up soon. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, as always. Take care, there he, brother. There he goes. Brendan Schaub, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we have one more to go. It's the GOAT himself, old Artem. He out there did what he had to do. Got there and beat Paulie Malignaggi. It was weird, though. Like, in the end, I thought, I thought if Paulie lost, it would be like this, oh, moment. Maybe it was a little bit, but it felt like both guys kind of shook. I mean, they, they did shake hands. Paulie bowed to him, like they kind of like waved off the beef. It was it was interesting. It was in, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think that we were going to get that. I thought it was going to be one of those things where it was like, remember when? Um, I think it was when Bisping beat Rockhold, and then afterwards at the presser, they were still going after each other, still saying terrible things to one another. I thought it was going to be like that, but no. In fact, well, in fact, I'm glad to see that it wasn't that way. I was going to get a little bit concerned, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, they 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 seem to have mended fences. And uh, I, I don't know what the numbers were on the gate or the pay per view, but it looked like it was a decent sellout. They had media there, uh, decent crowd. You had uh, who'd you have on the call? It looked like you had uh, Sean Wheelock. You had Chris Lytle and I think Antonio Tarver, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that was pretty good, right? You, had, you know, because uh, Tarver obviously knows boxing, and Chris Lytle, if I'm not, I, I could be wrong about who it was, but I think that's who it was. He obviously has boxed, and obviously has done MMA as well. So there's that. Um, all right, I believe we'll go to him now, though. Uh, great win, man. Solid win, and getting out there, and I think. What I hope is putting the rivalry to bed. The GOAT joins us now via phone. Artem Lobov is here. Hi, Artem. How are you? Hey, how's things, man? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate you making time for us, Artem. First things first, I always ask this after a fight. How are you feeling? How are the injuries? How is everything? Yeah, I feel good. Uh, my left hand is a little sore, but, you know, nothing broken. A um, uh, couple of cuts here and there, but as you would expect, you know, uh, coming out of a bare metal boxing fight. Yeah, I would imagine. Now, let me ask you this. Did any of the previous cuts that you suffered in the Jason Knight fight, did they reopen, or are these new cuts? I know they were all new cuts, but to be honest, like over the over my career, I've had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, cuts and stitches on my face. So to be honest, I, there's probably all scar tissue on my face. So, uh, you know, at some point or another, it's all cuts, opening cuts, but, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. So I got the win. That's the only thing that uh, I care about. Yeah, you certainly did. Are you happy? Well, let me ask you. Okay, let's start here. Is the rivalry over? You know, uh, when you fight someone, you know, this is kind of the the pickle of of, of a conflict that you can have, you know, once you fought somebody, that's it. Well, there's not not much to it a- anymore. You know, you've 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 went in there, you've settled it like men do, one on one. 
And that's it. After that, I don't think there's ever a point to kind of carry it with you. Any of that negativity, just move on with your life and be positive and just enjoy your life and, and live a happy person. So that's, that's how it is for me. I noticed that when the fight was right, like the second that the final bell uh, rang, Paulie bowed to you and said something. Can you tell us what he said? Oh, she just said, you know, it's all respect and, you know, uh, whatever, you know, whatever was done, you know, sorry about all that. It's in the past, whatever, we built the fight and it's all nothing but respect and, and that's it pretty much. Yeah. Was that, was that kind of buildup, was it exhausting to like have that kind of animosity all the time? Not really, to be honest. You know, I just concentrate on, on the fight. I just concentrate on my training. Um, you know, having fought in the UFC have helped me, you know, to deal with all the situations because UFC is a, such a huge promotion. And when you're fighting there and you, let's say I was the main event, sometimes co-main event, you've got so many media attention on you. You've got, uh, you know, people watching you the whole time. So that prepared me for situations like that, I feel. So I, I think I, I handled it pretty well. All right, so let's talk about the fight itself. Uh, it looks to me like you won the last two clearly. I thought he won the first two. Third round, a little bit up in the air. How would you grade your performance? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could have been a better performance. You know, there are things to work on. Uh, but, but I felt I won the fight definitely. You know, I was always the one pressing the action. You know, uh, it, it was kind of harder to to make the fight happen because he was moving back all the time and didn't really, you know, stay in the pocket and exchange as even if he wouldn't boxing often. And that's understandable, you know, Barry Knuckles is not boxing, you know, you don't want to uh, take any shots here. So he was a bit on his bike, but I felt I pressed the action, you know, they also didn't let me work any of the clinch, which I was really surprised with uh, because the rule in Barry Knuckles is as long as you're throwing punches, the clinch, you know, they don't break up the clinch. And then uh, all the time I heard the ref shout at me, stop punching, stop punching, you know, uh, break, break. I was like, what do you mean stop punching? As long as I'm punching, you should be allowing the clinch to, to, to be, to be, to happen. But for some reason, he wasn't. He literally was breaking up the clinch sooner than they would in a boxing fight. Like boxing fight, there is no clinch, but they still let them work in the clinch longer than they did in my fight. So that was very surprising to me. You know, that was a big part of my game plan. But, you know, I still feel I adjusted well. You know, I landed some big shots on him. I, I opened up some nice cuts. And to be honest, you don't even see uh, the biggest shot that I landed was right to his chin. So there is no mark, but it definitely hurt him. And he was rocked. You know, he wobbled. Um, you know, I, I was. it was a difficult uh, task at hand. You know, I was fighting a two-time world boxing champion in, in a basically a boxing uh, match because clinch wasn't allowed. And I, I feel I done okay. Yeah, you did more than okay. You certainly won the bout as well. What did he? What was it like to fight him? Like at first, he was kind of elusive. He didn't throw a lot of punches at the end. You did. Um, he had some good movement here or there. Like, what did you learn about Paulie as a fighter from being in there with him? Um, yeah, I mean, I learned that I feel comfortable with the guy of his level. You know, he's a boxer that uh, was a world champion before, and. Uh, you know, I, I certainly didn't feel out of place there. So to me, that's all good news. I feel uh, confident uh, to move into the boxing world now and try to fight there, see how I do. You know, people always say, oh, you'll do bad against this guy or that. But with me, you don't have to wonder. You know, I'm willing to put everything on the line and show the world how I do. Yeah, that'd be – okay, so what is your immediate plan? Obviously to heal. But do you foresee a return to MMA? You're going to keep up the bare knuckle? Or is it the idea that – 
hey, whatever promoter wants to pay the most, that's where I go. Absolutely. Look, I, I'm a prize fighter. You know, uh, whoever pays, that's why I fight. Uh, but, you know, I would love to try a boxing fight. MMA, of course, this is always going to be something very close to my heart. This is where I started. So MMA, I will always fight MMA. And bare knuckle, why not? So whoever pays the most, that's where I'll be. Uh, but real quickly, before I forget, were you able to talk to the commission or the referee after and ask them why the fight was officiated that way? No, I know why. It's, I mean, uh, the reason for that is because uh, the referee is not experienced in the sport yet. The sport is very new now, even though this is a very, very old school sport. But for now, for this period, it is very new. So referees, you know, they sort of try and maybe judge it as a as a boxing fight, but it is not. You know, it's different sports, so it will take a bit of adjustment. Uh, you know, for them to 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 keep up with the sport, but you know, it's no problem. How do you feel about the damage in bare knuckle versus the damage in MMA? It seems like cuts are an issue, but maybe some of the other punches are not. Well, absolutely. You know, cuts of course are an issue because the knuckles are bare, so of course you get cut up a lot easier. But, you know, once again, like you said, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, knees uh, that are inspired going to your, you know, face or kicks or elbows. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a combat sport. So, of course, there's going to be dangers and there's going to be injuries and there's going to be, um, you know, it is dangerous. But, you know, we, we get rewarded for it. So, it's all good. Um by the way, did you get a chance to talk to Connor about this? And, and if so, anything he said of, of note? Yeah, I spoke to Connor. She said that was a good performance. I, I dominated the fight. You know, I, I, I pressed the action all the time. And she said it was a very good performance and a great win for me. You didn't, you didn't feel like you were defending anyone else's honor other than your own? Or, or, like, or did you? Did you feel like you had something to prove beyond just yourself? You know, to me, a fight is a fight. You know, I just want to win it no matter what. But this one, of course, was a lot more personal. This was uh, an emotional build-up, uh, and the win was a must here. So it was a very important win. You know, this is definitely not my favorite performance, definitely not my best performance or most exciting fight, but it was a must win. Um, you know, I couldn't have uh, lost here. No way. Uh, and I didn't. I brought the win home, and that's the only thing that matters now. So what is the what is the plan for the rest of the year? Give me give me the Artem Lobov competition schedule for the the next six or seven months. Well, that will depend on the offers. Like I said, you know, I, I'm I'm ready to fight. I love to fight. This is this is what I truly love to do. So uh, fight itself is no problem for me. I enjoy fighting often, uh, but of course it will depend on what what is on the table. I have to now. Uh, get in contact with a few promoters and, and see who is willing to to uh, to bring me in, you know. Uh, we'll see. I'll keep you updated, guys. Are you happy with the pay so far at Bare Knuckle FC? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, my pay on uh, this fight, again, uh, you will take, you can take any of the UFC cards and I get paid more than the 90% of, of the fighters there. Like any UFC card you look at, there's usually like one or two guys that might get more money than me, but I get paid more than the rest of them. So, you know, I am very happy with my pay. I got to tell you, Artem, you might as well just accept this uh, nickname of the GOAT. Everyone calls you that now. It makes sense. Do you yeah. like that nickname? 
Look, I, you know, I love humor, you know, to me, I find it funny, you know, uh, why not, you know, humor is always important, you know, I've had all kinds of situations in my life, you know, sometimes didn't know whether I was going to have food tomorrow or not, whether we'll be able to afford our house or not the next day, but, you know, sometimes you say a little joke and you start smiling and it feels a little bit better and you have that will to keep going and keep grinding forward, so, you know, if, if that makes people smile, brings a smile to people's face, why not, let's do it. Here's the point I would make, Artem. It may have started out a little bit, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but now it's like, I don't know, it's it's taken on a new life where it's like a real, it's a title of affection, I think, from the MMA fan base. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. I'm not even sure how it started, but somehow somehow it did, and... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't mind. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all good. I'm easy going when it comes to this sort of things. Uh, do you think Paulie should like really retire this time, like not fight anymore, like just be done with it? Uh, I think that's what he wants to do anyway. I mean, you know, he, he's he's had a big career. You know, he's he's almost forced at this stage. I'm sure he's you know fighting. You you know you get you have to truly love it. You know, you have to truly truly wanted. You have to have that fire burning in you in order to be able to do it successfully. If you don't have that fire, it is a dangerous sport. You don't want to stay there any longer because you can get very, very seriously hurt. So, yeah, I'd say he probably will retire at this stage and, you know, I wish him well. Do you you think, and again, I'm not asking for an insult at all. I'm asking just for the truth. Do you feel like he didn't quite have that same uh, competitive energy that was needed to win? Uh, well, I, I definitely, yes, I definitely felt that I wanted it more than he did, you know, definitely. All right. Well, Artem, I got to tell you, man, uh, great win for you. Great win for your team. Uh, great win for all your supporters. And I know that you got a little bit of healing to do. Have a nice vacation. Enjoy the money you have earned because you have certainly earned it. And we thank you so much for your time today. Thanks a million. Really appreciate the time. There he goes. Artem Lobov. And I say this affectionately, the goat himself. All right, with the time we have remaining, Jesus Christ, it won't stop today. With the time we have remaining, uh, let's do this. Let's do the sound off. How about that? All right, let's talk to my man. He is the, uh, what is what is uh, Danny Segura? He is the... Oh, I got a good one when he comes up on the screen. He is the Duvan to my Zapata. How about that one there, Danny? You mean uh, my Selección Colombia champions <laughs> to my Copa America? They, they're playing <laughs> yeah. well. They're playing well. I mean, undefeated, three wins in a row, yeah. beating Argentina, yeah. defeating top-notch teams like Qatar. Um Living the life, man. All right. Colombia's looking good. They are looking great. Well, thank you for yeah, yeah. Uh, putting this together. How were the calls, my friend? Very, very good, man. Really? Yeah. I mean, ever since we started the show, the calls just... There's been some down weeks, but for the most part, everyone's just stepping... It's been a steady climb. Stepping it up, yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get right into it. And at the end of that, I'm going to make an announcement. And then after the announcement, come in here, okay? All right. Cool. Deal. Sounds good. All right. Let's get to these calls. All right, well, let's start with the obvious, uh, the biggest star of the weekend, the GOAT himself. You just spoke to him. Nice guy, by the uh, way. Artem Lobov is a dude, nice Artem guy. Artem is great, man. Artem's a super nice guy, and he's great with media, yeah. shows up to fight. Like, he's, I, think, I, I think that's why they call him the GOAT. He's hard, he's hard to dislike. He's very exactly. hard to dislike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only criticism people have about him are, are is his association with Conor. And also, like, he was trying to fight in the UFC, and there's a question of, you know, was he winning consistently enough against the right kind of opposition? Right. 
to maintain a roster status. Yeah. Um, which is a fair question. But uh, as just a guy, seems like a nice Great guy. Dude, man. Great nice dude. Guy. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about him. All right. Hey, Luke and Danny. This is Darian uh, calling from Dallas. How about the Cowboys? Hey, looking at the numbers on YouTube views and this overall viewership for uh, the Lobov-Malinaji fight, would you guys consider Artem Lobov to be uh, an actual star? Um, just curious. Have a good one. Um, I think in our, in our world he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. In our um, world he is, man. Who was the A side in this fight? I think it was. Ooh, man, that's a good question. I'm gonna say Paulie, but I'm gonna say Paulie as well. But in the same way that, like, okay, May, I know there was some debate over this, but sorry, Mayweather was the A side against McGregor. But yeah. the whole point was McGregor was the all the energy was behind McGregor. Exactly, it felt the same. Where Paulie was the two time world champion. Exactly, he was the boxer. But all the, the energy, prestige, yes, the prestige, the prestige was with uh, was with Paulie. But with, with Paulie. all the energy, all of it was behind Artem. This wouldn't have been a big fight if it wasn't if, if Artem wasn't involved. 100%, you know what I'm saying? Like 100%. Artem was the key ingredient there. The two mixed perfectly. So exactly. I think yeah. in situations like that, he can be. Um, he didn't get the knockout, which really would have just taken him into the stratosphere. Uh, but I'll tell you this, man. Like, dude, when he fights, people tune in. I think he has certainly, at bare knuckle, he has certainly done himself a service. This Pauly rivalry has done him a service. So how big of a star? I think it depends on the fight and the conditions and the, and the situation. Mm -hmm. But he, he, for a guy with his record, that's about as big of a star as you're going to see. I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. I, I think he is a star in our space. Like, yeah. people, I mean, BKFC 6 was trending this weekend. Uh, and a lot of it was because of, you know, who he is. And if you look at... You know how this uh, caller pointed out, like the YouTube numbers, BKFC did great, man. Uh, and there's a lot of interest in 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 Artem. And also, I feel like he's super underrated as far as media goes. Like the dude knows how to cut a promo. He certainly does. Yeah, it's good stuff. So he's, you know, he has done like for a guy of uh, his abilities, which I'm not like demeaning. I'm saying let's have a sober assessment about them. They're, yeah. they're they're good in certain capacities. For that whatever level he is to be as much of a star as he is, wow, dude, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. Yeah. So I take my hat off to him. Yeah. Hopefully he got paid a lot of money, man. Yeah. Hopefully he got paid Jesus, a lot of money. Because he put in the he's taken, work, Between man. this and the he night the fight, work. he took a ton And, and of forget about the damage itself. All the media he did, like, yeah, you're right. you know, putting up with the slaps, the spit, you know, of uh, Malinaji. Like, hopefully the dude got paid, man. He deserves it. I agree. It. Yeah. That's a good point. All right, let's talk about the, the scoring because it was a little bit controversial. It was a little bit controversial, yeah. A little bit. Hey, it's Josh from Alabama. I was wondering... How you guys scored the Malinaji versus Lobov fight? Keep in mind, scoring each round separate from another, I was wondering if you scored them more based on a boxing scoring system, if you went purely with the aggressor in every round, if you went purely with the guy who did more damage, or just the good old hit and don't get hit style of scoring. What do you guys think? And do you agree with the judges? How'd you score it? So I had Polly winning the first three rounds, mm -hmm. and then, but I acknowledged the first one was close. I thought Polly for sure took the second and third, mm -hmm. and the fourth and fifth I gave it to Lobov. So I actually had that, yeah. I actually had the first two for Polly. Okay. I thought he was winning the third cleanly up until he took that big punch. Yep. And then I was like, I don't know how they because he stumbled him a little bit and then pushed him way back, which was more than anything Polly had landed. So I was like, I don't know how they're going to score that. And then fourth and the fifth, easy Lobov. Here's the thing. Lobov thinks he did more damage. I'm inclined to agree. 
Um, Paulie, Paulie did better as a boxer. Uh, I Lobov landed the bigger hits. Lobov landed the bigger shots. So like who in the end wins? I can see why Paulie thought he won. Paulie was, you know what I noticed about Paulie though? Like there were moments where he was like slipping or evading. And then there's moments where he was constantly tripping over himself. Did you see how many times yeah. he lost balance? Yeah. He seemed to be very rusty to me. Um, that and it's just not boxing pacing. Like boxing, you kind of stand, you know, in front of each other. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there's a movement, don't get me wrong, but not the type of movement that Artem was bringing, like literally charging forward. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's the type of movement you get in MMA. And the clinching. I thought, I will say this. Lobov is 100% right that they broke up those clinches too early. Yeah. On the other hand, I'll give a little bit of credit to Paulie. He had inside bicep ties Whoa, and then yeah, around yeah, the yeah. head. Clearly the stuff, because yeah. folks may not know, he did work with Ray Longo. Clearly yeah. the work with Ray Longo paid off a little bit. He All he could do was neutralize. Yeah. But hey, that's something. Look, the dude didn't show up just to get a paycheck. Like he actually put in the work yeah. to like know his, his way around uh, bare knuckle fighting. Uh, which, you know, is always appreciated. And you know what? I actually enjoyed that fight a lot more than any other bare-knuckle fight because I feel like with most of the bare-knuckle fights that we've seen, it's only one gear. Like, look, I'm going to charge forward. I'm going to throw hooks really hard and really fast. Where, whereas this, it kind of felt like there was a storyline within the fight. Uh, like, you know, Pauly was, like, managing that fight, like, pretty well, I thought. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting fight. Very good. I enjoyed it. Yep. There you go. Next. Yeah. Well, a lot happened this weekend. Not only uh, BKFC, also the UFC Green Greenville was uh, this weekend. So yeah. um, let's talk about that. Casey picking up uh, a pretty important win in his career. Hell yeah, he did. Yep. Hey, Luke. This is Josh calling from California, but a PG County native. Shout out to hey, the hey, DMV. Hey. Um, Shout out. My question for you is, after watching the Korean zombie starch Moikana like that, uh, I guess, you know, what what improvements have you seen Korean Zombie make? And do you think he still has the potential to become uh, either a title contender or a title holder? Thank you. Um, PG County. We're outside DC. Uh, Kevin Durant's from there. All right, no one cares about that. Uh, for the question he asked, if I had to ask you, Danny, how he got the name the Korean Zombie, what would you tell me? You might know the answer, but, you know, just... What would you say to the, if I asked you that question? Well, I have no idea how it came about, but I'd say just his style, right? Sort uh, of, yeah. Marching forward, taking big hits, yeah. surviving them. and Here's the here's the funny part about it. This is why I think the Justin Gaethje comparison is not perfect by any stretch, but it's fairly apt um, in the sense that, not the original Korean Zombie. When he first got the name, you go back and you look. Don't get me wrong. He was creative and starching guys, but he didn't have a ton of head movement. He would take huge shots and then just keep going. Now he's slipping punches and then coming over the top and landing on these dudes. So like Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje takes a big shot and keeps coming forward. He's what you would call what the Colorado zombie or wherever he's originally from, the Arizona the American zombie, zombie, something like American zombie, whatever you want to call him. Um, but Justin Gaethje has world class ability. You know, he beats guys fair and yep. square with his offense, not just because he takes damage. He's got good technique. So Korean zombie, it's like if you watched his old old fights, he's somewhat unrecognizable, somewhat. Now yeah. he like skips things and then lands. If he needs to take a big shot, he can. The big elbow from Yair notwithstanding. But I just feel like the, the big takeaway here for Korean Zombie is he used to be like okay at defense. Now he's really good at defense, or certainly much better. Yeah. And his offense is much better too. He's grown significantly. In some ways, Danny Segura, the name is not even apt anymore. 
Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree. Yeah, and I think when the, um, Brett, Brett Okamoto interviewed uh, his coach on on the ESPN broadcast, he said something like, "You know, uh, do you guys have to pull him back a little bit? Like, look, you're winning the fight in the Yair fight. There's no need to rush in. Like, is that something that you know you guys are, are going over as, as as coaching? Like, yeah, being exciting is cool, but like, you know, you also got to fight smart. And uh, that was uh, something his coach brought up, and he's like, "Yeah, we made a, a really strong point in this camp to like." Yeah, we still want to be exciting, but at the same time, we we do want to not play it safe, but you know, um, play it a little bit more safe than than we used to. And I feel like we saw that, uh, as you alluded with, like the the defense. And uh, dude, the guy putting putting Hinato Moicano like that, like putting him out like that, is that's just takes skill. So mm. I definitely think, especially given his his brand and and the fan support that he gets, uh, I can see him fighting for another title. Although he's thirty two, for sure. Yeah, I actually think he could, too. He's got a little bit yeah. of work to do. but Picks up one, two wins, and he's up there. That was a jolt to his career that yep. I think he really needed, he and really I'm needed very that. excited to see. Yeah, I would even say this was this is, was a, a bigger win than if he would have beaten Yair back back in November. Because uh, Moicano was up in the rankings, right? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly where, but yes. this was this was. I think he was ranked like fourth or fifth, and yeah. Zombie was like 12th. So now he's going yep. to jump high. Yeah. And it's crazy to see, like, how many, like, fighters also support him. Like, he's such an old-school guy. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about another fight that uh, happened this weekend. Um, some saw it. Some didn't. Shots out to the zone. Dude, what uh, is that? All yeah, Guru Musasi so... losing to uh, Lovato Jr. You called it, by the way. Certainly did. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey, what's going on, fellas? This is Charles Jalen calling out of Atlanta, Georgia. ATL, uh, Luke, my question is about uh, the Musasi versus Lovato title fight from Saturday night. Now, I picked Lovato after I heard uh, or read that Musasi said that uh, he no longer necessarily fights for, you know, the love of the sport, but fights just to make money. And I always felt that Lovato stylistically was a great, great matchup for him. He looked kind of large in the weigh-ins when they faced off. So based on what he said, I picked Lovato to win. But with that kind of mindset, is that dangerous to take into a title fight with a very game opponent like Lovato was? Um, what are your thoughts about that, that man? And what are your thoughts about Lovato being a threat um, in that division for uh, more fights to come? Yeah, Thanks, I mean, look. Keep doing your thing, man. Yes, thank you, sir. Uh, here's the thing about that. It's like, look, every time, if you're a champion yep. in any organization, chances are, may not happen every time, but let's just say every time, you're going to be facing somebody who that's the biggest fight of their life is against yes. you. And they're going to prepare like it like never before. For folks who may not know, Lovato obviously has this background, but he went down to Brazil with Evolução uh, fight team and had just this ridiculous camp. And you should have seen the entourage he brought to Europe. He must have spent a fortune to prepare for this. It's like, I'm sure Gigard trained his ass off. He's a pro, but did he spend that kind of money? I'd be surprised if he spent. I don't, I don't think I've hardly heard his. Connor might not even spend that kind of money. He had like 30 people at his entourage. Because that was the crowning achievement of his career. Lovato will tell you that personally. So it's just hard to get up in ways that those guys can. Partly, Gegard's had, what, like 50 fights at this point? Some astronomical amount. Dude, he gets like, uh, of course you can't. I love the sport so much. At some point, it's not what it is. At some point, you're just collecting a check. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. But that's that's human life. And so on top of that, you got people say he's the best jiu-jitsu guy out of America ever. Uh, I think I, uh, my, uh, Mikey... Uh, Musumeci might actually be that. He, yeah. he has three world titles, um, which I think is the unique in that space. But in any, ca- in any case, um, 
you know, one of the very, very, very best. You add up all those factors, skill differential on the ground, hungry as hell, spin a fortune, lifetime dream. You're kind of a little bit, maybe not burned out, but like, you know, sort of it's a little bit part of routine. Mm-hmm. Here you go. This is yep. where you get. I mean, it's it's a lot easier to get to the top than stay at the top. Uh, that's just a fact, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, I didn't see this result coming, to be honest. I, I mean, I said on the MA beat that yes, I thought Yes, you expressed Gegard, skepticism at my yeah, viewpoint. I thought Gegard, look, I thought Lovato Jr. was, was a uh, legit threat, but like, Gegard has seen everything. I mean, you mentioned 50 fights. He's gotten all the looks in the world. Um, And it's not like he's entering this fight or entered this fight with that mentality. He he already had that mentality since the UFC. Like, how many interviews, you know, did we, uh, did the media do with him just talking about the money, the money? Like, I want to get paid. I want to get paid. Um, So, you know, I I didn't really think of his mentality being like an issue entering this fight. But uh, I guess you kind of start questioning questioning sort of the hunger and, and sort of what's less for what's left for him to achieve, you know. And I don't know. Maybe maybe this this loss will wake him up a little bit. I don't know. I have no idea. That's a hell of a win streak he was on. He last yeah. lost to Uriah Hall. First of all, fifty four fights, nearly closer to sixty. Well, wasn't a fifty, but pretty. He's getting up there. He had beaten Talos Lychees, Tiago Santos, Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman, Alexander Shlomenko, Rafael Carvalho, and then Rory McDonald. Boy, that he is he was putting the lumber yep. to some of these people. Yep. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing. All right, so what do you want to do? You want to take uh, one more question or? What do we got? Um, what champ champ has had the toughest road or, to become champ champ? Or? Um, what happens to the future of 125, 135 with Sahuda being out? Looks like till 2020. I don't care about that one. Do the other one. Champ champ? Yeah. All right. Hey, what's going on, boys? This is uh, Cam from Ontario, Canada. Just calling in. Uh, my question is, who had the hardest road to the champ champ double title? Thanks, bud. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it might be Henry Cejudo, maybe. Henry's is tough. There's no doubt. Amanda about Nunes it. is tough as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> knocking out Chris Cyborg ain't no joke, man. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one. Um, Connors was tough through the featherweight run, but then he just got gift not gifted, but you know he didn't have to make a run through lightweight to get yeah. it. Uh, you know, people don't talk about this enough, but Dan Henderson's run through Pride was that's right. Was, he, he was, was uh, yeah, two bucks. I mean, he got now that, that's back when they were calling yeah. him Decision Dan, so he was getting a little bit lucky, I suppose. But um, so that was an interesting one. BJ Penn, not I would not say he had the toughest road. He, he wasn't. He was he champ champ. He was no, not sorry. Okay, won two titles, two different weight classes. Right, right. right. What about champ champs? Um, Cormier, no. Um, here's the thing about it: a lot of these guys. Like they do well in a division, then they take the the next fight is the is the b- fight for the belt, and then they just win that one. I I might I might say Cejudo. I, I need to think about that for a second. Because Cejudo actually had to defend his belt uh, on his way to become champion. I mean, he beat the all time greatest flyweight, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Again, I know it's somewhat controversial, but okay, yeah. he won. Mm-hmm. And then T.J. Dillashaw, he smoked in thirty seconds. And then, dude, you can say whatever you want about those two fights. He went out there and put it on yeah. Marlon Moraes. Yeah, and I have. Deep respect for Marlon Moraes' ability. Yep. Yeah, that might be it, man. Because yeah, to that, be honest, I thought Marlon was going to win. In me too, fight, man, man. Me too. Uh, I, I, yep. I did not. I, I, I completely got that one wrong. Um, yep. I'd have to think about that. Someone could convince me otherwise. You're putting me on the spot a little bit, but and I, it may be recency bias as well. That's true. But the Moraes one, or the Cejudo one, rather, that is a hell of an impressive one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, uh, go ahead. Don't come in just yet. Let me make this announcement and then come in here and we'll do this. Thing. Cool. All right, yeah, very quickly. Sounds good. All right, very quickly. Uh, okay, 
let me make this uh, short and sweet because there's no need to go and drag on here uh, more than we need to. So this is the one-year anniversary of me hosting this show. I think I did the first one 25th of June a year ago. And um, so let me just say this outright, and then we'll back up a step. Uh, this is the last episode of the MMA Hour ever. Uh, last week's MMA beat is the last MMA beat uh, ever, unless they decide to revive it under somebody else. But I would say, oh, Luke, did you get fired? No, no, I didn't. The, the, that's actually my call. 100% my call. Folks be like, oh, no, it's not. No, it really, it honest to God was. I was... I could have continued both programs. I was uh, easily offered that, but I can't. I can't. So a couple of reasons why. Um, on the MMA beat side, that has been one of the best things I've ever done. But this last year has just royally destroyed my health. Uh, I had a physical recently and didn't like the results very much. So uh, I need to dial it back. And coming up two times a week was just a backbreaker for me. And that's nobody's fault but my own. Like, I'm not blaming anybody. But um, just, in, just in assessing my health, you know, now I got a daughter here, too. Like, it was just too much. I tried to do it, and I did a full year of it. I made my commitment, you know. But it was just, it was killing me. It was absolutely killing me. So I don't know what's going to happen with that program. I think it's done. They, you, you never know. They could bring it back for a one-off or m maybe under another host. But as far as my participation and everything else, uh, that's done. Same with this one, too. Now, um, why, about, why about this one? I, I, there's a lot I can say. There's a lot I can't say. Let me just say this. There is a future. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, you know, oh, the, leaving the business. Going to go and uh, just uh, work in a coal mine. No, there is a future. I don't want to talk about that today. There'll be a time for that. It'll, you'll, I'm sure you will hear very, very soon. Don't worry. There's news coming. Uh, I want to thank Vox Media. I've been with Vox Media since 2007. Uh, 12 years going on 13 at this point. They've been, they've been, uh, 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 I've done everything here. You know what I mean? Um, and I thank everybody who watched it. But for the MMA beat, it was my health. For this one, I'll just say this, man. Um, it was an honor to be here. It was fun. Um, you have no idea <laughs> what kind of issues we were dealing with behind the scenes, but but this this is what I guess I want to say. I feel like we're entering a new era of MMA, and I want to make sure that I'm doing the kind of programming that best situates me to, how do I say this exactly, to, um, to do right by the sport. And I feel like to do that, while this has been an unbelievable reward, and a, a blessing that virtually any media member would have asked for, I feel like I need to turn the page and tackle a new challenge, which you will hear about, I'm sure, very soon. Trust me. So, um, as I mentioned, I want to thank Vox Media for the opportunity. I was the first, I was the only guy on the first episode of the uh, MMA Beat and then the last one as well. Um, but my health just got so badly damaged this year. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I just, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And I hope everybody understands. So I think, that's why I mentioned every panelist on that last show. And I forgot Guillermo Cruz. I forgot Skylar Aston. I forgot New York Rick. So here I am acknowledging them that they were also on that panel or they you know, appeared on a panel. Um, one of the true great honors of my career to be a part of that. And this one too. And this one too. I had a lot of fun this last year. My Mondays were always big. Um, they were always challenging. But they were always big, and uh, 
but it's it's t- it's time for something new. It's time for something new. And uh, yeah, that's it. So stay tuned. You will hear very soon. Don't worry. Okay. All right. With that in mind, uh, let's bring in Danny Segura, the uh, Juan to my Quadrado, <laughs> the Hamas to my Rodriguez. Where is he? There he is. Did you get mic'd up? Did you bring a cup? Oh, you did. Two. You want to? Oh, you did. You got me one. Yeah. I was about to say I was gonna drink out of this coffee cup, bro. I'm not a bummer. Oh, really? Damn. No, 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 no. What's the one they drink? Got better standards. What's around? the one they drink in Colombia? It's the but it tastes like it's a different than this one. All right, I can just drop this, right? <laughs> you can take it down. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, what's the um, what's the? It's not like it's not aguardiente, but it's the it has like a V word. Do you ever see when Anthony Bourdain went to Colombia? It looks just like it, but it has a has a different name. No idea. He went to La Guajira. Yeah, La Guajira. and they drink something a little bit yeah. different. I lived in La Guajira for like. A couple Did you years. really? Yeah, yeah. What is there to do there? Nothing. It's just desert. Mm. Uh. All right, man. Let me say one thing about Danny, if I may, before you do this. You Go can, for it. You can yeah, pull, yeah. You can pull it up. Pull it up while we're doing this. Again, I know there's going to be people who are like, oh, Luke got fired. No, trust me. I Trust me, I didn't. This was my elective call. I had, uh, I had a moment in my career where I, 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 I wanted to make some changes, and I got the opportunity to do that. And, uh, and I think it's important. I actually think it's the right call for, for all involved. Let me say one thing about Danny Segura. Behind the scenes is work that you often don't get credit for. And by the way, there's many other people who work on the show. Yep. Shouts to Joe. Shouts to Austin. Well, less so Austin. Shouts, shouts to Alex and uh, Sri and uh, so many people back there. Mm-hmm. They all do great work. But Danny back here slaves seven days a week, has a million roles to fill on the site. What all do you do on the site? You write posts. You travel. You do interviews. You produce this show. You produce the beat. Yeah, social. Social. I mean, it's nonstop work. Let me tell you something. You deserve... All the credit in the world. You are one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. You're mega talented. And, um, you know, again, let's keep everything hush-hush for what's next. Yeah. But for the past year, dude, I have been so proud of you. You are such uh, a talent. And it was cool, man. It was cool to do this project with you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And I I had fun, too. And I feel like I grew a lot uh, as a person and professionally, too, doing this. And uh, it was fun, man. I really enjoyed it. It was was sick. Yeah. cool Uh, stuff. And and for folks, don't say anything because it's just, you know, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But behind the scenes, bro, if people only knew... Man, we, <laughs> how we, many fires yeah, did yeah. you put out back there? A lot, yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, it was wild. This man. year took took. I, I aged like a dog this yeah. year. Yeah, I went from twenty five to I feel like probably like thirty three about now. You ever yeah. seen those photos? It's like here's President Bush or picking yeah, President yeah. President Bush, President Obama. The day they get inaugurated, yeah, and yeah. then the day they leave, they look old as shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me, man. I, this this job killed me. It, yeah, my, yeah. my choice is nobody's fault. It's my choice, but. Uh, because it's my choice, I I want to do something else. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna you'll see you'll see. Yeah. yeah. All right. News to come. Uh, okay. I, yo, straight up. If if you would have this uh, is a very small shot, by the way. You want more? Slightly. Don't kill me. If uh, if you would have started using honey in your coffee instead of stevia, you probably got gotten a, a few more shows out of you. I had I had sugar in the raw today. Okay. It was pretty good. All right. Ready? Let's do this. Uh, All right. Ready? Para arriba, para abajo, para el centro, para adentro. Pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Anybody you want to thank? I want to thank, um, you know, Vox Media for giving me the opportunity. Um, you know, I came in this role without any producing experience. Uh, but, you know, I still 
took up the challenge and I felt like, you know, I did all right. Not you bad. You rose to the occasion, my friend. Um, you know, thanks also to our editor, Brian Tucker, for giving me the opportunity. Thanks for all the MA fighting team who's also, you know, helped out to, to get this show out there. And, and there's a lot of pieces about this show, you know, from social, from the stories that we write. So It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and, and everybody, you know, for the last year has been putting a lot of work. So obviously, you know, I appreciate that very much. And, uh, you know, lastly, thanks to the fans, man, because I feel like we got really good reception um, with the tools that we had and the resources we had. I feel like we, we made this show um, our own to, to the best of our, our abilities. And I feel like the fans really appreciated that. And uh, that's it, man. Just just thanks. I'm very, I'm very thankful for, for, for the opportunity and, and the fans. And, and, and for Brian Tucker, who has been a continuous believer yeah. in me um, and, and, and continues to be again, you're going to see. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, people always ask me like, oh, what's the key to ingredient or what's this? Jesus, what's the uh, what's the key ingredient in success? And I'm like, well, I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah. But here's one thing I have noticed. You don't need to get lucky all the time because that's not possible. Mm -hmm. You just need a couple of people to look out for you along the way. Yeah. And then you got to make it your own and you got to figure it out from there. That's really what it all comes down to. So uh, I've had a number of believers in Vox Media. Perhaps Nate Wilcox has been one, uh, and Brian Tucker has been another. And people don't know who Brian Tucker is because he works behind the scenes, but yeah. uh, he's the guy who basically runs the whole site. He's everybody's boss. Um, he has been a continuous believer in me and allowed me to do a lot of things here that I just ordinarily would not have gotten the opportunity to. So, Brian, thank you. Thank you very, 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 very much. And that's not words. Like, people just don't get studio shows. You know, you have to work for them, and, and, and you have to get lucky. And uh, I did, I thought a little bit of both. All right, man. Well, you know what? No more moping. No more moping. Time to turn yeah. that page. Yeah, Time to turn yeah. that page. Thank you, Danny. Great work. Whole Thanks, year. Thanks, man. It was an honor. Appreciate it. All right. And thank you to all of you guys who supported us. We can't thank you enough. Um, you'll see what comes next. And until then, stay frosty. <laughs> <laughs>